Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. There comes a point in our walk where we got to get real with Jesus, right? There, 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 there comes a point in our walk where we got to um, we have to decide, like, I don't just want to play church. I want to actually grow in God. I, I'm not. Amen. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not looking to just you know. Uh, one of the, one of the temptations that we have in the American church today is to get the next experience. And what what happens is maybe early in our walk. Uh, we had this encounter with God. And maybe we had this mountaintop season of just being in this bubble with Jesus. And um, every day is sweeter than the next. You remember that? And uh, every day you're finding something new. And every day there's a new promise that you're discovering. And, uh, and, 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 and like everywhere you go, you're having divine appointments. And then, and then one day it's not as tingly. Right? And then one day it's even a little bit painful. And, and then we start looking like, how do I get back to where, how do I get back to where I, how, how do I get that feeling again? How do I get those tingles again? How, how, do, how, do, I, how do I get back to that bubble? And, 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 and this can be like this never-ending quest for Christians to recreate the birth experience. And I would suggest to you it's possible um, that God has actually something better for you that you haven't experienced yet, as opposed to trying to recreate something you have already experienced. And that something requires a maturity that it's possible you just haven't experienced yet or walked into. Uh, in, this, um, in this age, in our country, right now, where we're at right now, it, uh, it, it, it seems like... Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but everybody is outraged about everything. You can't just be a little upset anymore. You have to be full-blown outraged. Like, you can't just be like, I'm not sure if I like that. It's either I hate it and everybody who likes it, or I love it, right? Like, either we have to, either you're in my cult, or I hate you, right? That, that's, there's nowhere in between now. Uh, you know, and, and this is where we've come up with language to come up with, uh, to, to describe what people are experiencing in this season. Now, five years ago, if I were to tell you what a, you know, she's a Karen, you would have no idea what that was. But now we have developed a slander for a person who is outraged in this season. Our language has adapted to this outrage culture that we're experiencing. And we somehow feel like it's okay to slander somebody because they're behaving in a way that we've all said it's okay to be outraged by. You see how we just kind of slip into this little worldly way of dealing with conflict that doesn't glorify Jesus or fix any problems. And we don't recognize like we have to now begin walking on eggshells about everything because at any moment, anybody may be completely outraged about anything. And so it's either find your cult or be alone. And I believe that Jesus has a better way for us to live. Amen. Um, honey, I'm going to take a risk here. If you can use like a real paper towel and some, I'm just, I don't, see, I, I didn't grow up wearing glasses. So I don't know how to take care of them, right? And um, you know, you know um, when somebody has um, given up on life because their glasses look a mess, right? You, you talk to somebody and their glasses, you're like, how do you see through that? And they're just like, I just give it up. I don't really care. 
I don't, I don't really care what's out there. I'm just, I'm, I'm just doing me. I'm like, how do you see anything? They're like, I've seen it all already. It's, but I'm still naive. I still think there's stuff to see through the glasses. And so when I can't see you, I'm like, I'd sure like to see people right now, not just my fingerprints everywhere I look. And uh, this totally isn't me stalling because I can't read my message without my glasses. Uh, how, oh, thank you, honey. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Give it up for Pastor Tracy if you would. Oh, look at that. There's people here. There's people here. What do you know? Uh, what's, what's good about it, though, is when your glasses are, you just call it the glory cloud. You know, like the glory. I see the glory, you know, um, but that's not what it, what it is. Um, what we've decided by, def- by default in, in our society in this season is that the loudest offended person gets to decide what's right and wrong. <laughs> the loudest offended person gets to decide what's right or wrong. And for several years now, I have talked about um, the radicalization of society. It's easy for us to point to the Middle East and say, look at how they've radicalized their faith and they're killing one another because they're not radical enough for, Muslim, for, for, for Islam. If you're not radical enough for Muhammad, uh, then they are, I mean, that's what the whole Middle East conflict is about. Who can be the most radical for Muhammad? And I've warned it, it's, it's coming into our culture and now you see it. You're not Christian enough. You're not American enough. You're not offended enough. You know, you're not radical enough. And this is not the way of Christ. It's just, it's not the way of Christ. And, 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 and it's not just that we're being wrong and we're not honoring God. It's that we can't get what he has promised us because we haven't lived in the way that he's told us. And God's promise for you is peace. God's promise for you is, is peace. Now, I'm going to say something that could sound very offensive to some of you. I'm going to say it right now. This is Carl. Not, this is not the Lord. This is not Pastor Carl. I'm not standing in an official office. I'm a guy who's 50 years old. Get a vaccine shot, right? Now, I, it's my opinion. You should get a vaccine shot. Now, if that offends you, there's something wrong with what you've been listening to. You can disagree with me. You could say, I think I'm just going to take my chances with COVID. Okay, take your chances with COVID, right? Like, okay. Uh, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying you're dumb. I, I'm not saying that you're somehow deceived. I'm just saying, I think you should get a shot. And you could say, I think not. See, that's how people are supposed to behave. You, you, see, you see, that's how people behave. I think you should get this. I don't want to. Okay. Right? Like, nothing that we just said should be able to uncover any religious or political beliefs. But outrage culture weaves it all together. Because there's somebody pulling the strings and wants you to think this means that and that. And so if I can tell you this, then you'll do that. It's, it's all this spirit of manipulation. And I want to cut some strings today. I just want to get in the word of God here. and We'll cut some strings today. You see, um, <laughs> we got to value what Jesus values. And, 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 and um, we get upset by this world. There's a lot going on in this world. And there's a lot to get upset by. The level of greed that's in our world. The level of selfishness. Um, pettiness. The lust for power is ruling the day. And, and I'm telling you, the Christian agenda is not. Now, there are some Christians' agenda that are, but the Christian agenda is not winning the day um, because people are fighting for power. And this is the opposite of what Jesus 
described to us. Last week, Duke Rample brought just a great word, didn't he? Can we just give it up for Duke? Such a powerful word, so good about honor, and uh, he, he talked about uh, don't call common what God calls holy. Now, it's so easy for us to devalue what God values because we don't get the payoff we actually want. I'm going to say that again. It's easy for us to devalue what God values because it doesn't give us the payoff that we want. Now, part of becoming a mature Christian is wanting for us what God wants for us. That, that's what it means to be a mature Christian. And a mature Christian wants peace. A mature, mature Christian doesn't want to win. A mature Christian wants peace. A mature Christian isn't looking for power. A mature Christian is looking for peace. And peace only comes through the Prince of Peace. If it's only peaceful because I'm dominating you, that's not a peace at all. That's violence. What we want is actual peace where there's dialogue and love and care and compassion. And Jesus spent his life communing, conversing with people that he could have easily put in their place. But he didn't do that. He lived in peace. We're going to take a look here at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Paul's writing to uh, the church in Colossians, starting in verse 6. He said, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Okay, now that means that being saved isn't enough. Hear what I'm saying? Now, if you're looking to go to heaven, then you're operating in a paradigm that Jesus didn't even talk about. That was never, that was, that was never Jesus' stated goal. I'm just here to get you to heaven. Jesus is trying to get heaven in you, right? That, that, that's, that's what's trying to happen here so that you can walk in it and spread it on the earth. So, and so Paul is now writing to uh, this church trying to say it's time to grow up a little bit. Uh, I, I'm thankful that you discovered him, but now it's time to walk like you know him, right? And, 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 and uh, so we say, you know, verse 7, now that you're rooted and being built up in Jesus and establish your faith just as you were taught, overflowing in gratitude. Verse 8, see to it, watch this, that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Now, let's take a look at this verse here for a minute. <clears throat> Paul is contrasting two forces at work in the world. He's showing us on one side, he's showing that there are people who come up with ways of thinking and describing things that isn't really what they're trying to say. They're really lying to you to manipulate you to think a certain way. Hear me, as opposed to the ways of Christ, uh, the church, unfortunately, if you leave that up for a moment, the church, unfortunately, has a really um, has has a spotty record with this. If, if we could be if we can be honest. Um, what happens is there is deceit born in a man's heart or a woman's heart for, for greed, for, for lust, uh, for power, um, maybe to cover up hurt. And they invent doctrines. They invent arguments. They may use the word of God to get what they want, as opposed to walking according to Christ. There's a difference. There is that which was born in the heart of God, and there's that which is born in the soul of man. 
Now, when we have a desire in our heart that we came up with on our own and we've not surrendered it to Jesus, we then encounter God asking God how He will bring this thing that we want. We'll then look at all the things in our life as confirmation that this is what God wants for us. Then we read the Bible and we see this thing all over it because that's what we want God to be saying. And then we start teaching it to other people that we should be able to get this because it's what's in my heart. This is very different than reading the Word of God, learning Christ, letting Him examine our heart, see where we don't look like Jesus. Then praying on how we'd be transformed into His image. There is a very polar opposite that happens. So in our world today, through philosophies and empty deceptions, it is somehow righteous to be offended with offensive people and put them in their place. Jesus said we're to love our enemies. It makes absolutely zero sense to love your enemy. You cannot come up with a human philosophy that will tell you it's a good idea to love your enemy. Now, I can come up with lots of philosophies and empty deceits that say it's good to kill your enemy. That it's good to destroy them, to humiliate them, to put them in their place, to gossip about them and uncover them and, and, and get people against them and convince everybody that they're wrong and get everybody on my side. To that philosophy of empty deceit, we can understand. But love them, oh, oh, oh. You want to be countercultural. You want to be edgy. You want to be, you, you want to be against the crowd. Stand up and say, maybe we all shouldn't be so outraged. Maybe we should all calm down a little bit and have a discussion about this. Perhaps they're mad at us because we're not loving them enough. See, now this is countercultural. This is the way of Christ. See, we get tricked into acting just like the world. We get tricked into acting just like the world. And here's what the world wants you to know. You know something about someone before you ever met them. That's the deception of race. The deception of race is that my skin color tells you something about me. That's, that is the root of racism. If I look at this person and I can tell by their complexion something about them. No, no, no. Actually, that, that is an empty deception right there. That doesn't actually tell you anything about them. Now, you may understand they may have had a certain experience based on, ah, you can guess on some things, but you don't know somebody until you know them, right? Hear what I'm saying here. You cannot get conclusions about people until you ask them what's going on. The Bible's pretty clear on this. No one knows the heart of man but a man. No one knows the heart of God but the Spirit of God. And so to think that you know something that's happening in somebody else's heart without them telling you what's happening is empty deception. All you know is what you see in how you are perceiving what they're doing. Amen. Amen. Saw a video this week of a guy who was scaling a 19-story building on the outside. Crazy, right? Who would scale a 19-story building on the outside? Doesn't even make any sense. There was police outside and they weren't letting him near the building. Now, based on that, you would think, what is this guy? Some sort of Daredevil, some reckless guy? Well, actually, the house was on fire. His mom is disabled on the 16th floor. Now, just seeing him scale the building doesn't tell you anything about him other than he's willing to take some risks. Now, is he reckless or is he fearless? 
We don't know unless we find out what's going on. We think we know. And Jesus is like, just, just don't be so excited about yourself. Just, just ask questions. Wait for answers. Don't judge people. He talks about this in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. He says, there is a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. It looks right, according to man's philosophy. This looks perfect. This is the way we should go. So there is a way in your situation right now, where you're at, where you're struggling, where, um, where, where you are asking God for answers. The situation that you're in right now seems perfectly logical and reasonable, and one of those ways will lead to death. I mean, maybe not physical death, maybe not literal going to your funeral, but it will kill the very thing God wants to do. And the enemy is cheering you on to that direction. We better hear God, right? We, we, we better walk according to the ways of Jesus. We, 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 better, we better be seeking God's best. Now, um, I, like you, like men, there's, 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 there's craziness happening in this season. Have you noticed? Have you had in your life, like, like I, well, I don't want to presume. And I don't want to ask. I don't want to force anybody to answer. But so many, so many people that Tracy and I are ministering to extended outside our community, inside our community, where things are going bad. Like bad. Like, like no fault of your own. There's economic issues and health issues and financial issues and there's societal issues. and there's I mean, there's just stuff happening and we're walking with people and we're crying with people and then they go, oh, I just found out today that my uncle has cancer or I just found out today that my mother lost her job or, you know, you're like, things can't, man, things are so bad. I can't believe how bad things are. And then they get a phone call and you're like, oh my gosh, this is, and at the same time, people are being tossed in so many areas and so many lies on, I hate to say this, but in certain social media platforms are so many lies against the church happening today. And people who aren't fully educated are being tossed to and fro by various winds of doctrine and don't have an anchor to weigh these lies that are being said about the church and about Jesus and about and 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 and, and they're just coming up with conclusions and we're like, whoa. And so we got together uh, as the elders and we're like, what in the world do we do about this craziness that we're going through right now? And the Lord spoke very clearly to us the Lord gave us a word and it was be meek. It's not, meek is not a word we use much these days. Meekness is not a quality that's really highly exalted. As a matter of fact, I, I, wanted, I wanted to come up with a sexier way to say meekness just to make you get a little bit more excited. But I think it's supposed to be not exciting on purpose. I think everything good in our lives isn't supposed to be shiny. I, I don't think everything's supposed to be shiny. Everything's supposed to be... Uh, you know, high speed, low drag, built to grind, right? Like some things, some, some, some things are like, are supposed to just be sedated. I think our personalities and our passions at times are supposed to be meek. Jesus said this as, uh, as, as, as he began his sermon on the mount in uh, Matthew chapter 5. He said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, Right? That didn't get you excited, but by the end of this, it will. Is there something you want right now? Is there something that you feel like you're lacking in your life? Is it in the earth? Meek will get you there. Is there something missing in your relationship with God? Is there a blessing that you feel like is being withheld? 
Do you want to earn it or would you like to inherit it? Meek will get you there. Is there conflict that you're walking through and you would like to be resolved? And the enemy is tempting you to put up your arms and get ready to fight and get ready to battle and get ready to blow over and get ready to murder. No, no, that won't get you there. Meek will get you there. I've earned money and I've inherited money. Inheriting is better. And this wasn't some philosopher. This is the Lord Jesus Christ who by all things were created through his word were created, right? Everything that was created was created through him. And he said, you'll inherit the earth if you're meek. So if we're going to be mature in Christ, probably something we should dive into a little bit, right? So, so meekness, meekness is towards God, it's a, it's a, let me read right from my notes, is a disposition of spirit in which we accept God's dealings with us as good and therefore without arguing or resisting. In the Old Testament, the meek are those who wholly rely on God rather than their own strength to defend against injustice. <clears throat> now, there was a lot of injustice uncovered in the last year. A lot of injustice uncovered, and a lot of people got very worked up over a lot of injustice and decided, Jesus, you've taken us far enough, I'll take it from here. Right? Like, we, we on a good mission, fighting a good cause, wanting to do something great, but at some point, you tell Jesus, thanks for the ride to this point, like your Uber. I, I, now I'll take it the rest of the way. I, you took me as far as you can take me. Now I'm going to finish the race for you, Jesus. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get that victory. Thank you for, you know, being point man for me. But now I will go ahead and I will finish this thing. And in the Old Testament, when they tried to do this on their own, it didn't work out. The Lord's like, no, 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 no. Okay, back, back in the day, you used to have to fight and kill armies. Now, in the, in the new promised ground, you are supposed to march around and you shout and they get defeated. Right? Back in the day, you had to slaughter people, but now you, you just go and do this and you say that and you'll get the victory. See, in the old ways, he was telling them, it was by strength and might, but in the new covenant, it's by the Spirit. And if we're going to get any real victory in our lives, we've got to follow the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost was sent by Jesus so that we could be like Jesus. Not so that we could be like the Old Testament with some New Testament language. Not so we could be murderers, and, 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 and with, but with Christianese on it. Not so we can be oppressors and, and with, with the name of Jesus. No, no, no. What he's saying is you're going to be uh, righteous people who love justice, who, who love liberty, but you're going to be like Christ. You're going to let the Holy Ghost lead you on this thing. That means sometimes when someone says something against you, you're not going to get in an argument about it. You're not going to show up to every argument you've been invited to. You don't have to fight every time someone looks at you cross-eyed. You could just go on with your life. Hello. <clears throat> Meekness is the opposite to self-assertiveness and self-interest. It stems from trust in God's goodness and control over the situation. The gentle person is not occupied with self at all. This is a work of the Holy Spirit, not the human will. So this meekness, like, well, but aren't people going to take, take advantage of me? I'm like Jesus? I mean, aren't you glad he didn't say that? Aren't you glad Paul didn't say that? Aren't you thankful that Peter didn't say that? Aren't you grateful that there are people who came before us who said, it might be better in this world that I look out for myself, but I'm going to trust the Lord. 
Hallelujah. 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 Here's what I want to invite you into today. What are we doing for time? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Uh, Here's what I want to invite you into today. Take charge of your own heart. Come on. Take. Here's what I want to invite you into. Take charge of your own heart. Take charge of your own heart. We 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 got to get past blaming other people for our heart issues. We got. Oh, he made me mad. No one made you nothing. No one made you nothing. You chose to be mad. Oh, he made me so upset. He didn't make you nothing. Right? I mean, like, like, we hear this in marriage counseling all the time, my wife and I. I had a, I had a pastor who's, oh boy. Uh, he'd say, ah. Oh. My wife's reeling me in here. If I could make you something, it wouldn't be mad. Right? Like that, that, if, if, I, if I had that kind of control over you, I wouldn't, that, that's not what I would pick. I wouldn't, if, if, if I had the ability to control your emotions, it wouldn't be mad. That's not what I would do. If I had the ability to make you do something, anger is not what I would pick. Thank you, Jesus, for that self-control you just gave me in that situation. Look, you want to be a disciple of Jesus. And if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, look, the world wants you to abandon all this stuff and stay spiritually immature. But the Holy Ghost is cheering you on that you can be misunderstood and you're going to live. That they can think the worst of you and you're not going to be destroyed. Right? Like you can actually disagree with people and they're not going to abandon you. You do not have to fight for yourself your whole life. You do not have to be reeled into other people's toxicity just because they don't want to choose healthiness. And it's possible that your self-control in the midst of drama might draw them to Jesus, to the one who gives you that same strength. See, the culture of the kingdom of God is honor. The culture of the kingdom of God is looking for the best in other people, not looking for the worst. It doesn't take a prophet to call somebody a Karen. Amen? It doesn't take a prophet to call somebody whatever the male counterpart is these days, right? It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't take any kind of anointing to call someone a liberal or to call someone a trumper. Or it, like, this doesn't take anointing. This doesn't take grace. And Christ isn't in it. It's, it's how we dehumanize people so we can malign them. Jesus is not in this. Like, these are people. People that Jesus died for. People that are created in the image of God. We need to be the people who treat them with the value they have not earned. Because God treats us with a value we have not earned. This is who we are called to be in this season. And hear me, when you learn to walk in this, you actually get peace. And this is what God wants for you. Secular wisdom says that our own personal judgments and opinions matter. That's what secular wisdom says. Secular wisdom says, don't, don't, don't give people too much trust. The, the secular wisdom says, you know, you better watch out for yourself. Secular wisdom says, you know, be careful with those people because they're, they're, that, that, that's, that's secular wisdom. That's, that, that's the philosophies and empty lies. This is not how we want to live. We want to live according to Christ. This is what we want as a people. Because this is where the peace comes from. This is the peace of God that we want in our lives. Here's what Jesus said as he went on in the Sermon on the Mount. 
in Matthew chapter 7. He says, look, do not judge. Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the same way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it, what does that mean, pastor? What does that, what does that mean? Are you quick-tempered with other people? That is how you deal with the world. Do you think that everybody is rude? Chances are you're the rude one. Do you think everybody's judging? Chances you're the judgmental one. This, 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 how you view the world is more an indication of what's going on in your heart than other people's hearts. Biblically speaking. I need you to see this. When the evil stuff you think about other people, that's more an indicator of your heart than theirs. And Jesus wants to get us free of this. This isn't, this isn't a rebuke as much as a, hey, like, you, you got the Holy Ghost. You don't need to live like this. You could be free. Let's watch this. Watch this. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log in your own eye? Now, if you feel like you're specially, okay, let me reword this. I have, this is more, I have far more empowering than it's supposed to be judgmental. I don't want to be judgmental. Like, there's enough judgment in the world, right? Sometimes we feel like we have this gift to see problems in other people. You know what? We're just looking through the log that's in our eye. Let me give you a little example here. Got a little brown cloth here, right? Now, if I look at y'all, watch this, ready? Y'all are so brown. Look how brown you are. Why is everything so brown? Why is everything so brown, right? Because I'm looking at the world through a brown lens. Everybody's so brown. Now, what if we looked at the world through the eyes of Christ? Now, now what, if, what if we actually put on Christ? What if we put on Christ in His forgiveness... And we see people behaving poorly, and we were to say, wow, that man must be having a bad day. Man, he really needs some freedom right there because he can't control his own emotions. Wow, that guy right there, he has not encountered the love of God because he seems so mean-spirited. I, I, maybe I should show him what, the lo- what forgiveness, what love, what grace looks like. Because we're looking at the world through the eyes of Christ, not looking, not looking through the lens of the log in our eye. Okay, verse, verse, verse 4. How can you say, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold the logs in your own eye? Verse 5, now, now Jesus gets a little spicy because he's Jesus. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, now here, here's what I want to challenge you on this. If you're like, okay, what's the difference? What's the difference? Because we got to make some level of judgments in the world because we don't want to live with toxic people, right? We have to recognize when people are toxic in our life and it's just time to make a move. Here, here, here's, here's like... Here's how you know maybe this is a log splinter situation. Are you more aware of what's wrong with someone else than with yourself? If you're in a toxic relationship, if you think that there's some sort of unhealthy thing happening, you've got to ask some questions. And here's kind of some of the questions I might ask when someone wants to know. I would say, what part did you play in all this? What part did you, and hear me, this is important, this is important to be able to recognize. Uh, you know, my wife and I are having this hor- horrible fight, and she's terrible, and she's awful, and I can't stand her. Really, okay, man, that's, man, oh, you want me to rebuke her? Well, I'm not going to do that, number one. Uh, number two, uh, what part did you play in all this? 
No, it's not me. It's her. She's, ooh, I think you're, I think you're seeing the log. Right? You, you think you see the speck, but you're seeing the log. Humility helps you see what you did. And now you give a little grace. Oh, why, why is she upset? Well, you know, I just came and called her lazy because she wasn't cleaning enough. And, uh, you know, now she won't talk to me. I need you to go, well, let's, let's back up and talk about the log. Just making sense? Let's back up and talk about the, the log. Here's another question. When you're in a, not sure, is this a spec log situation? I like to ask the question, what have they said about you that's true? What in all of this conflict that you're so offended by was actually true and you're covering some of this? Now, when you're healthy and you're dealing with people in conflict and you are admitting to your faults and they're admitting to none of their faults, that's going to give them ammunition. It's also going to give you grace with God. Now, if they choose to use your humility as ammunition, that's between them and Jesus. And that is our goal here. Our goal is to be right with Jesus. Now, my wife and I have been married since dinosaurs roamed the earth. Uh, and, um, and, and we have learned some things. Like, like when you're young in marriage, you think winning an argument means winning an argument. What, what, what winning an argument means, uh, you know, if you win, then your spouse lost and your marriage lost. If you think you won, then that means your spouse lost. And that should, that should, that should bother you. Your spouse losing should bother you, right? And so if you win and they lose, then the marriage loses. Now, if you lose and they win, the marriage loses. The goal is how do we both grow in the midst of this? And so we're at a place in our marriage where things will start to get spicy and we're just like, it's just not worth the damage that's happening here. So we're going to have some conversations. We might have uncomfortable conversations. We might have ongoing conversations. We may stop conversations and start them another day. Because you get invested enough in a relationship where you say, I'm not burning this thing down over this. The relationship is more important than this thing right now. Right? This is how Jesus looks at the world. Like, my relationship with my people is more important than destroying this whole thing. I'm, I'm, giving, them, I'm giving them grace. And so we, we want to be able to be healthy. We want to be healthy in the midst of these, uh, this conflict. And so here, I had, a, um, uh, years ago, I had this, I had this, this, this terrible conflict I was dealing with here at the church and, and I hadn't been in ministry that long and I was really really upset about it and I didn't know what I was going to do and I was a little bit distraught and I called Ralph Beisner who uh, some of you know some some of you don't he's an elder uh, in faith he's gone on to be with the Lord um, last year and I called up Ralph because I didn't know what to do and I, and I explained the entire situation to Ralph I'm like ah oh, he said this and I said that and this is crazy and I don't know what I'm going to do about this thing and I don't know about this conflict and uh, you know I, I just need some help and uh, Ralph, he was silent for a minute, and he said, Carl, this situation will be resolved, but what I'm really concerned about is, how's your heart? How's your heart? How's your heart? And I just sat there, and I probably cried. Because when you're locked in horns and horns, you get in this self-preservation mode. And in your connection with Jesus, 
He's more interested. And how's your heart in this whole thing? Listen to the voices that are asking you. How's your heart, man? Are you are you are like, wow, this sounds I, I know I know you feel perfectly right, but it sounds kind of bitter. Well, I might be bitter, but I'm right. Man, I had a there, there's a thing about being married to someone who's a counselor who uh sweet Jesus. We had a long conversation last night where I repeatedly told my wife I didn't need to forgive people. <clears throat> I'm like, but I'm not. They didn't do anything wrong, this person, and this is nobody, I don't, I don't think you guys know. Uh, it's just a, just a thing. And I'm like, I'm just, I want to deal with what's going on in my heart. She goes, well, you need to forgive. I'm like, well, they didn't actually do anything wrong, but I wanted this person, it was a, a person, it wasn't a people. I wanted this person to do this thing for me, and they didn't, it's not in their heart, and so it's not, you know, they didn't do anything wrong. It's like, I don't have to, you need to forgive them. I'm like, I'm not in judgment of them. I'm, I'm, I don't think that I'm bitter uh, but I'm upset and I'm hurt and I know it's affecting how I think towards them. She's like, you need to forgive them. I'm like, it's not a forgiveness issue. I'm, I'm, I mean, like, like I'm, I'd forgive in a second if they did, but that's not what it is. And so, you know, like we're going on 20 minutes later. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I, I guess I am a little bitter. She goes, yeah, you need to forgive them. I'm like, I didn't, I don't know that. And so then I'm like, all right, all right. I just forgive you. I just, for not meeting expectations I never even gave to you, that you never agreed to, that you never said you would. Like, 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 you just need to forgive them. Like, she said, if we were in a counseling session, I'd get pretty frustrated and I'd probably end it. i like, well, I'm not going anywhere. We're in, we're in our bed. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I paid for this thing. I'm not, I'm not leaving. Beware of people that when they sound offended, and you're like, you sound offended. No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe little. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Maybe you can't see it past the log, right? Maybe you don't see the offense because the log of offense is in the way. How's your heart? How's your heart? We have to keep our heart. See, <laughs> we, get so, we get so upset about these things. And, and in this season, are we doing okay? I just want to have a family talk today. I hope this is helping somebody. I wanted to have a family talk, and I'm almost out of time. Um, in, in our outrage culture today, um, if I'm upset, it's your fault. If I'm upset, it's your fault. And we need to take control of our own hearts. Listen, spiritual maturity has a cost. Real transformation doesn't happen at Disney World. It help, happens at the Calvary. Right? It happens at the foot of the cross. It happens at the crucifixion. This is where transformation happens. It doesn't happen at Wet n Wild or, or, or you know, when we're on vacation in the Caribbean and we don't have problems. Real transformation, real maturity happens in our life when we have real conflict and we have to lay down our rights for what Christ said we should be and who we should be. This is where real transformation happens. And the Lord is so gracious that He brings people into your life that you'll have to learn to live with in Christ-likeness. This is who He is in your life. Here's what I want you to know. God will give you His peace when you give Him your judgment. God will give you His peace when you give Him your judgment. Let me say this one more time. God will give you His peace when you give Him your judgment. Now, some of you, this is going to unlock some things that you may need to talk with somebody about. 
You may need to have some counseling sessions. You may need to call some life group leaders or call us and talk to us about it and say, okay, is this, am I in judgment here? Am I in bitterness? Uh, because you might feel like God is calling you to stay with your abuser, right? No. That, that's not what he's talking about. Or you may be in a toxic relationship and you feel like you're unsafe or you're unhealthy or you are unable to be mature and it's only going to spin out of control and you feel like you need distance. Okay. But where we want to be maturity-wise is recognize what's going on in our own hearts and be aware of that instead of thinking we're aware of what's going on in other people's hearts. This, this, is, this is what we're going for. This is why Paul was telling the church in Colossae to move on to maturity. As we switch gears here, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to develop in this season, in this hour. I want you to get a vision for your soul. Get a vision for your soul. What is it going to look like to be healthier in this next season than you are right now? And that means you're going to, yeah, amen. Come on, yeah, yeah. That means you're going to have to put together a plan to care for your soul. You're actually going to have to care for your soul. A lot of people going to the gym. You're going to church to take care of your spirit. You're trying to eat right, take care of your body. How are you tending to your soul? And, and, and what we think caring for our soul is think more about me. And, and no, it's the actual opposite. It's caring for other people. It's actually loving where there shouldn't be love. It's actually forgiving where there shouldn't be forgiveness. It's actually taking time to read the Bible and understand what it says and pray in the Holy Ghost until my heart is transformed. It's having honest relationships with people who can say to me, man, you sound offended. Now, it's important that you get these relationships right. In America today, we're rebuilding from rubble. This is what's happening in the church. There's rubble. We're rebuilding today. Our society, there's rubble. And we're rebuilding. Our, 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 how we relate to one another, our politics, our, just there's rubble. There's been destruction everywhere. And, and we have to rebuild. And, 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 and we have to turn our hearts from the brokenness of our day toward our Savior who brings healing through being personally broken himself. We have to be aware that people are broken right now. People are fragile right now. This is not licensed to be mean. I called somebody with good intentions that in a different season, I could have said to them a challenging word. And I said to them a challenging word and they broke down. And I said, oh my God, I've just hurt someone I was trying to help. Now, I could have said, no, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm just giving you the word of the Lord and you need to deal with it. But what I needed to be was compassionate in that season and say, wow, I misread the room. This was the wrong season for this word. Please forgive me. I, 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 I can't dictate the season that your soul is in. Only you know where you're at. Forgive me for trying to put you on an agenda God doesn't have you on right now. I need to be, watch this, meek. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me say another way. In this season, are you ready? How we're going to deal with people. Ready? Put it up, Josh. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Our church, we had, at one point, we had so many ministries happening at the same time. We recorded two albums. We, and, 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 and we all cut. But as, as the situations change, recognize where your lane is in this season. There was a time maybe you could call people and speak a challenging word, and right now, stay in your lane. When your marriage is struggling and you want to, you know, tell your, tell your spouse how they should be, you know, doing little things differently, stay in your lane. 
When there's conflict and you think you're going to correct somebody in the midst of the conflict, stay in your lane. Are you hearing me? We just need to be a little bit more humble in this season of rubble and stay in our lane. There was a, um, a little girl who had a prophetic word, uh, I think. Go ahead and play that if you would there, uh, 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 Josh. Go ahead. Worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. Can I help? No. You want help? No. I want help. I don't. You Turn can up. help when we are out to you, okay? We can help when we are out to you. Okay. Do you have this to Probably. Watch this. You want me to help, Rose? No. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. What do you want me to do? Worry about yourself. Are you hearing this? <laughs> Worry about yourself. Worry about your own self. I'll do this one, so uh, Worry about yourself. You drive. <laughs> Worry about yourself. Go drive. <laughs> Go. You drive. Worry about yourself. <laughs> now, some of you parents of adult kids need to watch that on a loop, right? Like, worry about yourself. Like, you drive, worry about yourself. Some of you, your marriages, you're ready to fix your spouse, worry about yourself. Some of us got some friends that are heading towards the rocks and they're not listening to us. Worry about yourself. Stay in your lane in this season. People are getting so offended about so many things. That's the first thing I want to tell you. Worry about yourself in this season. Don't be selfish. Don't, 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 don't be inward focused. But quit trying to fix everybody else when, when your life is on the rocks, right? You, you really want to help people flourish. Flourish. Do the inward journey. Take care of what's going on in your heart. Be healthy. Right? Second thing, narrow your focus to Jesus. We had all these things happening at one time. Now we're, we're narrowing our focus to what we're really called to in this season. We're narrowing our focus in this season. If there's not somebody to carry a load, we're not carrying it. If there's not somebody to lead a charge, we're not, we're not going there. We're narrowing our focus to Jesus. Maybe in your life you had 19 things going on and then the pandemic hit and you have felt like you've been running crazy ever since. It's time to pull back a little bit. It's time to narrow your focus. It's time to pare down. It's, it's, it's time, okay, what has Jesus called us to do in this season? Because that's what you have grace for. It's possible a lot of people in this day and age are, 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 are melting down and burning out because they have the entire drama of our entire society happening in their heart at the same time. You hear about the wildfires happening in Turkey? You don't need to be worrying about the wildfires happening in Turkey. They're awful, yes, but I can't carry another pandemic. I can't carry another trauma. I, I just like, we do not have the emotional and mental capacity to carry everything at all times. So be nice to yourself and just say, eh, I just, I can't. I'm narrowing my focus to what Jesus called me and my family to do. Put down some burdens that you don't have grace for. Last thing, slow down. Slow down. Your lives, our lives are 
You cannot maintain the speed that you had pre-pandemic. If you feel like things are coming apart, they probably are. Slow down. Slow down. I want to challenge you um, to read the Bible more, but more slowly. Slow down in your Bible reading. I'm going to read a chapter today, but I'm going to read it slow as a discipline so that I can slow down and hear what God is telling me. There's a societal thing going. I know I've gone long. Just give me a second here. I just feel like this is important. There's a societal thing happening. There was a, there was a time that we were in, you know, uh, if you watch an old movie, I like watching old movies, but they move so slow. The scenes are so long. But society was slower then. Now the scenes in movies are so much shorter. And they go so fast. And it went to that, you know, movies take too long, so we watched TV shows that go fast. And TV shows go too slowly. We want to wait till the whole series is out so we can fast forward through it on a streaming service. And we used to just look at videos on YouTube and now a 15-second TikTok. We're like, okay, 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 for two hours. And God is like, how about we just slow down? How about we just slow down? There was a time that people would go to these things called, watch this, watch this, art galleries. And they'd stand still and look at a picture and think about it. I wonder what the person meant when they drew that flower that way. I wonder what the woman is thinking as she's sitting there looking at the flower. Now it's like, if you haven't explained it to me in five seconds, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. And what's happening is we're sacrificing deep discipleship for running to the next blessing. And we're losing maturity in the process. My friend recently said this, never let how bad things are define how you're going to look at them. You get to choose your perspective. Trust God. Why don't you stand with me? Let me close you with this scripture, then we're going to have communion. In Galatians chapter 6, did you get anything? I went so long today, but it felt like it was important. Thank you. In Galatians chapter 6, this is what Paul writes. His brothers, if someone's caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself. Watch this. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. When you see something wrong with someone, watch out. You're about to fall into a pit if you don't guard your heart. Watch this. Verse 2. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Each one of you test his own actions. You know what that means. Worry about your own self. Worry about yourself and drive, right? Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry their own load. So Jesus here is sitting around a table with men that he's about to give his life for. One of which actually sold him to be murdered. Murdered. 
But Jesus took control over his own emotions. He didn't allow these other people's actions. You can play. That was good. He, he didn't allow other people's actions to dictate how he was going to behave. He always operated in love. And so right now in this moment, we're about to receive the Lord's table. I want us to kind of check our own heart right now. I want us to check our own heart. Where have we sacrificed peace for judgment? Maybe, maybe, maybe you're away from God today. Maybe you've never been right with God. Maybe you thought you were right, but you're not living in peace. Jesus promised that when we give our life to Him, that we are protected from the judgment and instead get His peace. Maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe you need peace with God. Maybe you need Him to fix what you have broken. Maybe you've tried everything you can to fix it and you can't. And it's broken. And friend, only God can fix your relationship with God. But you have to ask and you have to receive. So I, I feel the prompting of the Spirit to give you an opportunity to make that decision this morning. And so I want to keep this as anonymous as possible. So if you would close your eyes and bow your head, I want to give someone an opportunity today to say, you know what? I, 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 today, I'm going to trade in the judgment that's on my life for the peace that God has for me. Maybe you have been struggling with judgment. Maybe you have been struggling with bitterness. Maybe you're just stuck in sin. And it's led you to a place you didn't think you would get to. God is offering you life today. He's, he's offering you a lifeline. He's, he's offering you peace with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Maybe you need grace in a new way today. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just nobody looking around. I'm not going to call anybody forward. I just want this between me and you so I know who I'm praying for. Just put your hand up and down if that's you today. If that's you today, I see you. Yeah, you can put it down. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you in the back. Yeah, you can put it down. And you're saying, I'm just going to, I'm going to trust Jesus today in this situation. I'm going to stop fighting for myself. I see you. Yeah. I see you. I'm trusting Jesus this morning. I'm giving up. I see you. I'm, I'm, I'm giving up my judgment, giving up my bitterness. I'm giving up my own way. It's scary, but I'm going to trust God. Let's all pray this prayer together. Just say, Lord Jesus, today, I give up my judgment for your peace. I give you my life for your life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Give me new life. And I will serve you. Fill me with your spirit. And I'll be your witness. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which He was betrayed took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body which is broken for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. Listen, some of you feel like your body, you're like you're being broken by operating in forgiveness instead of judgment. Instead of being offended, you choose to operate in grace. That's the breaking of your body. That's the death that we enter into where we die with Christ in all our rights. This is what we're being invited into today. The broken body where we lay down our life for Jesus' righteousness. Receive the body of the Lord. Hey. 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 Ha. Ha. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. His broken body. He is the broken one. And He meets us at our brokenness because He knows what that's like. And then you will experience His brokenness and carry that to the world that's broken. As you experience His healing. In the same way, He took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do, ha, shakaba. Come on, Holy Ghost. Come on, Holy Ghost. This cup is, whoa, is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Listen, that verse confused me for a long time. We like to identify with his resurrection. We don't like to identify with his death so much. But as you give up your rights, as you lay down your right to be offended, as you lay down your right to judge, as you allow that death process to work in you, I'm dying to myself. That's you declaring the hope of Christ to come. I'm not being defeated. Christ is coming in me. Christ is being revealed in me. Christ is coming alive in me. So receive this cup of the new covenant. Father, we do love you. We thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood. We thank you that you give us the ability to control our own hearts. And we declare that we do love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you. Shout to God. Let's give a shout to the Lord. Thank you, Father, for being with us today. Thank you, Lord, that you give us the ability to, to manage our own hearts and stay in our own lane and worry about yourself. So God bless you guys. Have a great week. Um, this Friday is Burning Room. Um, be blessed. If you need prayer, you can come up to the front. Um, prayer for anything, healing in your body, um, encouragement in walking in forgiveness. Uh, anything that you need, you can come up to the front for prayer. And you're welcome to stick around for some coffee, and uh, God bless you. Have a great week.